As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast, unrivaled, unmatched, and unequal. Hogan Johns covering the Bears from CHGO. It's Adam Ho, and from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros. The incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns, with you after the draft for a full draft recap show. And the Fishman is with us, Kevin Fishbane in the house. How you guys doing? Anything going on? I'm just excited to talk punter competition. <laughs> nice. I, I used like, that joke earlier. You can't yeah. use it now. I just think that like like how lucky are we that like will any podcast better analyze what's to come this summer between Ryan Winslow and Trenton Gill? No. Than this one. No. No. And no. I'll, I'll throw out this hot take. I was looking at the roster today. Patrick Scales is 34 years old. Oldest player on the team. Is, it is time he really? For a, yeah. Is it time for a long snapper competition? No. Do we need to get younger there? Or just maybe a little older? Patrick Manley's got some free time. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think a team should hire a long snapping coach. They don't have enough coaches in the NFL these days. Yeah. Why not? You know, back when we covered that kicking competition, I learned a lot about these kicking circuits that are out there. I had no idea that they existed. These well, that's how you knew teams. how to judge the ball, the ball flight. And yes, the, I did. No, yeah, you're a kicking expert now. If you're watching on YouTube, you don't want your ball to go like this. <laughs> you want it to go like this. I hate the it. Bears when that brought happens. in a kicker where the ball spun like a helicopter. Yeah, not good. Yeah, but he was the most entertaining one there. He was. He didn't do a backflip, though. (laughs) No, he did not. And none of those kickers made the team. That's the best part about that whole thing. (laughs) They they traded for a kicker right after the thing. (laughs) Also, it's great that the Bears, like, not only did the Bears draft a punter, like, is there any team in the NFL whose punting position might be more important than the Bears in 2022? Like, who's going to punt more in the Chicago Bears? (laughs) That's why they had to address it. 
They had to, I think. Good point. Sorry, guys. I've, I've, I've been out the past couple weeks. I'm ready to go. Yeah, we got to ask you. I think we got to start this thing off and welcome in Hogan Johns. Please follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at K Fishbane. Uh, appreciate everybody, you know, hanging with us. And uh, as we took a couple days to do this draft recap episode, but really, I think the most pressing question is what was it like covering the draft on assignment in Tulsa? Uh, it was uh, it was unique. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, you know, we are all expecting Travis Gibson to be uh, to play a larger role with this team. Yeah. And I felt like I needed to be in the place he went to college. I was hoping the Bears were going to draft Tulsa's Chris Paul. And, mm. you know, I thought if they did look, I'm here. I'm in Tulsa. Like what a perfect situation that would have been. They did not. Uh, so, uh, you move on, but yeah, it was, it was a, certainly a, a unique experience to be Is there. Is where Mark Trestman coached in the USFL? Did he coach in the USFL after the Bears? Was it Tulsa? Tampa. No, I'm just was, making this up. Uh, XF, no, it was XFL, whatever it was, Tampa was the Tampa, location. Tampa Vipers. Tampa, see, close. Yeah. I don't even remember what league that was. One of the five different spring leagues that has come and gone in the last... Five years. But he was part of their strong promotional package. It was Mark Tressman is back coaching a team. I mean, how else are you going to market that? <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> Clayton Thorson is the the quarterback of the Houston Gamblers. That's a team? That's a team. As if I didn't watch and break down his first game. How's he going? I th- well, I know he had a good first game. I, no, I first game was okay. I, I, he threw a touchdown, and then I was like, well, I've seen enough. And then I guess later on, they had to bring in another quarterback. Oh, so Because cause they're obviously biased against Northwestern players. That's bullshit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, okay. Throw the expletive uh, label on this pod. Sorry. Yeah. But well, you speak from the heart. It's been a long week. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. For the confused listeners out there, I was at a very good friend's wedding in Tulsa during draft yes, weekend. You were. So I was when I when I wasn't doing wedding things, I was following along with the draft, following along with my colleagues here, tweeting here and there. And I was I was walking from the hotel to the wedding to circle us all back to why we're all here. And I check my phone right as I'm about to, you know, sit down for the ceremony. Boom. Trenton Gill, punter, fist pump. Everyone's like, why are you so excited? I'm like, because I'm here for my good friend's wedding and the Bears drafted a punter. That's what you should get excited about. That's what I think. If anything, uh, by the way, we we fully support on this podcast uh, putting family and friends first. And you should be credited for actually still covering the draft while you were at a friend's wedding. Well, I do love the draft, and he is a my friend. He's a huge Bears fan. Actually, the the first ever Bears game I went to was with him, um, and it was funny. Like here he is, the most important weekend of his life, and the first thing he saw he said when I saw him on Friday night was like, "Kyler Gordon, what do you think?" So yeah. he he was he was on top of it. Not so on top of it to have not scheduled his wedding during the draft, but. You know, there's a lot that goes into these things. Did you anyway, like the way? Uh, who cares? <laughs> Bobo cutting me off here. What'd well, you think of the draft process for the Bears, Kev? Uh, you know, I, I I liked it. For if if we're talking process, 
you know, there's this. I know everybody was obsessed with trading back. We all talked about it. They also need talented players. And, and, and if you kind of step back and say, okay, if we're to assume that Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker were that high up on their boards and they knew that's a 10 year starter at corner, that's a 10 year starter at safety, let's take them and we're set at those positions. I get it. Because if you trade back, like you just, like the, this team just doesn't have enough talented players, I thought, to really afford to move around too much. But then day three was the day to move around because. You know, I'm I'm of the belief that like everybody rounds five through seven, especially six and seven, it's just all a crapshoot. So you know, take as take as many shots as you can. It's possible none of the eight players they drafted on day three end up being any good because they're day three draft picks. But it's also possible like what if half of them are longtime starters? Then it's the greatest draft ever. So I I like the process. I I take one and a special teams contributor. You're talking about late day three of the draft. Like, look, if if one of those four offensive linemen turns out to be somebody you can play realistically play at right guard as a rookie, that's a huge victory. And if then you, I'd even say get, by year two, and he's a, a seventeen game starter. That's and a then win. One for this of the class. tackles, like at least, gives you a depth as you try to figure out Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins. Like, I, I think yes, we, those we are proper so, draft expectations, right there, and put in perspective. We get so excited about every single draft pick. Listen, I, I love the draft. We all love the draft. and But the reality is the expectations for these guys should be so low. DeAndre Houston Carson is going to go down as one of Ryan Pace's best draft picks. Like Here's a guy who is still in the league, and he is an outstanding special teams player who can fill in for you on defense. He's going to have a job in this league for another five years, probably. And he was a sixth-round pick. And if you go look at that draft, you're going to see a lot of sixth-round picks who were out of the league before their first seasons even started, probably. So yeah, I mean, if you get get a special teamer, get a you know longtime guy who can be a swing backup on your offensive line, who knows? Maybe one of those guys is Charles Leno. By the way, that's a great draft to compare this to because that was one of the few years Pace had a lot of picks. Um, he drafted nine players. It's his that most. That's his it's, most. His best, and, it's his best draft. That's one position to take a look at because he drafted from the fourth round on. He drafted three defensive backs, right? Deion Bush, DeAndre Hall, DeAndre Houston Carson. One of those guys flamed out, DeAndre Hall. One of those guys became a pretty solid backup that was around here for a while in Deion Bush and got signed by the Chiefs this past year. And then one is DeAndre Houston Carson, who's still on the team and has been a special teams ace for you and has shown that he can go on field in defense and make some plays here and there. So... That's a different position than offensive line, but that goes to show you like you took three swings at three defensive backs. One didn't work out. A couple guys became valuable backups. Same type of deal, I think, with these offensive linemen. You took four of them, and you're hoping one of them can turn into a starter. Another one turns into a reliable backup, even if two of them flame out. Like That's a win, I think. The hit rate on day three is not good for a lot of teams. That's why... The more than one swing approach is just better on day three. That's why I like the process on day three for Ryan Poles. Because not only did he have to fill out his roster, let's not forget that he just needed sheer volume. He needed players. What what did they start the draft with? Like 55 players? Not 50. Yeah, 55 players, right? Is that right, Kev? You're the numbers guy. I thought it were, they were at 59. 59. Still, I could be wrong. I did that like a week and a half still ago. Still need a lot of guys. Yeah. Still yeah. need a lot of guys. You got to fill out your roster. 
The hit rate's not good, so why not take more swings at it? Let's like sell it. the process. When, when you get to that point, it's seventh round picks or undrafted guys. Uh, I'll take the draft picks. All right. Well, let's walk through the draft picks. I don't know that we have to hit them all, but you know, we at least got to leave twenty minutes for the punter at the end. So just keep that in mind. You know, as we plan out the timing here. Um, one thing I think people are forgetting is they drafted a cornerback with the first pick. Is how badly they needed a cornerback. And I just we just want to bring this back because uh, just to refresh your memory of what things were like back in the season when we would take your voicemails every week. We need another corner. One more time, Adam, please. We need another corner. Remember that the anger was real. We need another effing corner. So Ryan Poles listened. He wasn't even here when that caller called in with that, but he saw the tape. He saw that they needed another F in corner, and he went out and drafted one. So he, it's okay, people. Here are the coverage stats by Kindel Vildor last year from Pro Football Focus. 59 targets, 41 completions. So that's nearly 70% completion percentage in his direction. 598 yards allowed. Average completion, 14.6. Average target, 10.1. Six touchdowns allowed, opposing quarterback rating of 136.1. And that's the that, facts. That's that's 100% truth. Is that, that bad? Why'd you have to do them like that, Johnsy? That wasn't even that's nice. bad. That's bad. Those are just the numbers talking. <laughs> that was... Well, well, we were at the voluntary minicamp, and Jalen Johnson wasn't there. And you looked out at the defense and you saw Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, Tavon Young. Like, yeah, I just because like I, I understand everyone's focus on offense. But like my biggest takeaway from the, that minicamp was there were so many holes on defense. Like they had so many needs on that side of the ball. Um, like, for, like one of my bigger surprises, we can get to this later, is that they didn't use a draft pick on a defensive lineman, like an, a defensive tackle. Um, but yeah, like you look like those are the three corners who were out there and you were one Jalen Johnson, you know, turned ankle away from that being your three corners. If you didn't go find a guy who could be an impact player for you, like they expect Kyler Gordon to be. Well, they addressed it. I like Kyler Gordon. I think he, I think he's pretty close to a plug and play starter. I'm, I honestly, and I know we talked a little bit about this, um, on our Saturday show after the picks were made. But I, I find it really hard to – I think it's possible to separate the conversations and understand that polls address some big needs with players that can contribute right away and still also have a valid conversation about whether or not Justin Fields has enough help. And But one thing I like that Poles said, I think it was Friday night, was an admission that he can't fix everything in the first year. Like, I appreciated that he just said that because it's true. And there's no way you were going to come out of this draft addressing every need you had, even with 11 picks. It, it's just not possible. And so he tried to, with a lot of offensive linemen late, if he had drafted an offensive lineman early, then you probably would have seen a bunch of corners drafted late to hopefully find one, a, you know, a diamond in the rough there. 
one way, there's just too many holes on the roster. You just couldn't fix everything in one weekend, obviously. The Brisker selection is one of my favorite because they stick to best player available. They address a need. And three, just in terms of shifting the culture, changing the culture, go look at the beast. Go look at what Dane Brugler said. Go listen to our podcast a couple days ago with Matt Bowen. There's something different about Brisker. Something in in terms of intangibles. Kevin, you're starting to do a story on him. You're learning more about him. There's something there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I I think he, he has the makeup of what you want when you're trying to build something. Like ta- you know, I've talked to a few of his coaches already, and you know the way that they described how he takes accountability, he takes a leadership role, he holds his teammates accountable. Um, you like you learn about that, and you're like, okay, if I'm kind of starting over, if I'm Matt Eberflus and I'm trying to build this defense with this hits philosophy, if I'm Ryan Poles and I'm trying to set up the culture I want this franchise to represent, Jaquan Brisker, like. From everything we've read about him, from everything I've started to hear about him, fits that to a T. And he can make plays. Like, and he's a pretty good football player. Sorry, Hogue, about what he did to the Badgers in week one of last season. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, too. And you know what? I, um, I'd i like to see him get his hands on more balls. But that's the thing he did. I think it's what the Bears got to do. But I think that's why they drafted two guys who could do that. I actually sold Brisker short that play you're talking about against the Badgers where I kind of put it all on Graham Mertz. You know, I was emotional in the moment. Um, <laughs> you know, he. you go back and watch that from the end zone angle on a film, he actually makes a tremendous read on that play because Jake Ferguson beat his guy off the snap. It was going to be like a slant, over-the-top, easy touchdown, and Brisker read the quarterback's eyes immediately and made a nice play. Question. Sorry, I was just laughing because you got the Wisconsin Badgers helmet right behind your head there. See it? I, did, yeah, I, I, I see it. It's there. And also, Adam, Adam, Kev, our last podcast, he put that. He did put that interception one hundred percent on Merck. He did not want to give okay. Merck any credit the thing for. You got to understand about the context of that game was Mertz got down in the end zone like eight <laughs> times and turned the ball over seven. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but that's also kind of true at the same time. Listen, I watched that game very closely um, for, you know, just entertainment reasons. And, yeah, I, I remember it very well. Yeah, entertainment reasons. It sounds like you profited off it. Anyway, back to the yeah. question. I, I would, <laughs> who's this, who would you say the safer of the two picks? Now, safers, define it however you want. But Gordon or Brisker, who's the safer pick of the two? I would actually say it's the safety. Uh, yeah, I, I like think Gordon so. was only a one-year starter at Washington. Now, if I'm playing devil's advocate, I think he's a phenomenal football player. The fact that he's never committed a penalty, like, in his life, that's I don't something. I don't even understand how it's possible. Like, you play cornerback, you're at least going to get a ref that calls a, makes a bad yes. PI call. Yeah, brisker too. No penalties. That's, that's something. crazy. That's something. But just in terms of plug and play... Less ups and downs. I think Brisker will show more, I don't know, command, control. His transition won't be as choppy as it will be for Gordon at corner. Might be just the position talking. 
I, I, I'm with you, John, because I, I see Brisker having like a higher floor, maybe, of the two. And, and part of that's just a consequence of the position. You know, he's going to be playing alongside Eddie Jackson. I, I just don't know if he's going to be asked to do. Like, he's not going to be asked to be great right away. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kyler Gordon. Yeah. Not just being the top pick that he was, but the position he plays. And, what's, and you know, quarterbacks going to be throwing at him. Um, like, it, it's going to be trial, trial by fire for him. And, and I think he certainly has everything you want out of a guy who can handle that. But I, I just think that just because of the position where they're drafted, I, I think that um, it's, it's going to be just a little tougher for him. There's going to be more pressure on him. I think I agree with you that Brisker's a safe for the pick. I think they're both relatively safe picks, though. That's yeah. That's why yeah. I. That's why I like them for where they got them, and like let's just compare it to the Packers trading up for Christian Watson. That's a risk. I mean, I get why they did it. I would have understood if the Bears did it, but he's he's jumping from at the FCS level at a program where they didn't throw the ball a lot. Which could be one of the things that like is kind of an excuse for him, like a valid excuse. But his tape's not all that impressive. Now I also understand th- that wasn't fair. I just it's not very dynamic. Like when you compare it to like George Pickens' tape, for example, where you just see like how he's special. I can see why the Packers specifically drafted him though, because most of his tape, Christian Washington's tape at North Dakota State, is him running past the defense and the quarterback just hitting him on a go, which Aaron Rodgers is certainly capable of doing. So it is actually a good fit for him. But all I'm trying to get at is that would have been a very risky pick for the Bears, in my opinion. And getting two guys on defense like that, because you probably would have had to trade both picks to move up to get him, right? So would you rather have Christian Watson by himself or two guys on defense, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker? I think that's a fascinating question. And I understand if some fans would say, no, I still want the wide receiver. And you know there's going to be some ups and downs for Christian Watson. Devontae Adams was not a star overnight. He wasn't. Mm-mm. Adam, you and I both have friends up there where the storyline early in his career that there's too many drops, Aaron Rodgers didn't trust him. He wasn't doing the right things. Now he's one of the best receivers in the game. There will be some ups and downs for that ride receiver. And I think this is a great segue to the next point of this conversation because there's this perception that Valus Jones, the selection of Valus Jones Jr. was a reach by the Bears because nobody projected him to go in the third round. You know what? If you look at Dane Brugler, Dane Brugler's draft guide or others, Christian Watson might be a reach. Alec Pierce might be a reach for the Colts. Very thin draft class for the receivers after the first round, I would say just in terms of reaches. And, and another point on that is just because you think it's a reach doesn't mean the Bears' boards says it's a reach. doesn't mean the Packers' boards says it's a reach. But if you're going to criticize the Bears for reaching on Valus Jones because of what you saw by some outside evaluations, then the same must be applied to a bunch of other receivers selected in the second round. Who was the receiver that they could have taken instead? Was it Jalen Tolbert? Yeah, Tolbert was available. Uh, Khalil Shakur was available. Right. Because like, to me, and like, yeah, you can have the argument of could they have traded back a few spots and gotten him still. Like, obviously, they loved the guy. So they're not, if he's there, they're not going to take that risk. But for me, like, once you, get, once you get to pick 70 and all those receivers 
that we've talked about are gone. We saw the drop off from the top six of second round. Give me the guy that has the traits. Give me the guy that can be a gadget for you. Like, give me the guy that you can have a little fun with. Um, you know, like, so I, I, I like that if you're not going to take one of the top or one of the second round guys, you're going to wait. Like, I like that they took the guy that you can do more things with potentially. Well, and one of the things too is if you're not going to take, you know, one of the top receivers early, which most of them you didn't even have access to because you didn't have a first round pick. I'd like to, I'd like to see a guy that can help Justin Fields immediately. Even if it's only for 15, 20% of the game. And I'm just kind of just guessing here, but that seems to me what Valus Jones Jr.'s role is going to be. Like, they feel like they can get him out there in packages and get the ball in his hands in space. And that's going to help Justin Fields, where some of these guys, as you mentioned, like even Devontae Adams, took some time before you could really trust them on the field. Well, getting a wide receiver who basically needs a red shirt a year doesn't help your quarterback this year might help in the future, but it doesn't help Justin in this very important year too. So I do think that Valus Jones can help in that regard. I, I kind of wonder too if Treston Ebner can, the running back. You know, he he looks pretty polished as a runner. He fits the outside zone scheme, and he's got his tapes are very impressive when it comes to catching the football. So can they work him onto the field in situations where they can throw him the ball? Like can that help Justin? since they are thin on having legitimate weapons out there. I don't think they're done adding either. They're not. No. They'll be undrafted, guys. I'm sure there's some already signed that we don't know about. There's going to be some, maybe a veteran or two that comes in. Maybe a trade emerges. Who knows? They're not done. They're not done. I, th- I think they told us their plan at wide receiver a month ago, two months ago. Like when they were not involved in any of the, you know, certainly we're going to get involved in the trade talks. Now, like I look, listen, if Ryan Poles knows now that he could have just gotten Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick, right? That's that what Amari cost? Like, would, uh, I think or so. fourth or fifth, but and the money, right? And the money, but like, would you've done that? I don't know. I just think like they made it clear what the plan is. Like we all we've all known, so it didn't surprise me that like they didn't necessarily use the, that that second round pick on somebody or or trade it up to, to do it too because like you they could have mm-hmm. you, all all i mean they honestly they could have moved up what four spots and just traded their fifth round pick to do it it's all it would have taken probably like they could have looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Of the remaining eight picks, who intrigues you the most? Can, can I group the offensive linemen together? And sure. I want to ask you a question. Adam Johns, go ahead. Thanks, Adam Bootman. Actually, this isn't a question. This would be a statement. I changed my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or, Adam Johns, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I'll make it a question. <laughs> yeah. Adam Johns, go ahead. Did you Do you know... That the Chiefs are a team in recent years who have hit on day three offensive linemen. Uh, kind of. I'm putting this in a column later this week. Okay. There's Trey Smith last year. Yep. Okay. Starter. They got some starts out of Nick Allegretti. Seventh rounder, seventh rounder of 2019. Okay. Illinois. Yes. Go back a little bit further to 2014. Ryan Poles is working for that team as the college scouting coordinator at that time. Hit on two six-round picks. Zach Fulton, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, and Lauren DuVernay-Tardif. The doctor. The doctor. The guy the, who, is he back in the league? Or did he just, he's, a, he's a free agent, I believe. Because he literally stopped playing football to go help the hospitals. During yes, the pandemic, came, yes. Yeah, he pandemic. came back last year, and he's currently a free agent. He was the 200th pick in 2014, became a starter. Zach Fulton was the 193rd pick in 2014, became a starter. Uh, you got to fast forward a little bit now. But they, um, in terms of polls coming from a place, whether it's identifying traits or having a feel for the position, there's a track record there. I'm just saying. You know, you've increased increased your swings. Maybe you hit on one. Maybe you do. No, you're not buying it. Well, no, I, I, I'm, I'm buying that it's possible one of these guys can work out. Um, just looking at, I mean, they hit on two in one year. I know it was, gosh, almost a a decade ago, but that's something. I, I I think I've said this elsewhere, but uh, we obviously not here yet, but. Zach, Zachary Thomas intrigues me. Just watching him, I, it almost seems like he was playing left tackle there out of necessity because he's playing San Diego State's not like a lower tier program, but it's not a power five school. And, you know, he's probably their best lineman. So, you know, a lot of times you put that guy left tackle. But I look at him and I, I he screams guard to me. 
And he's got the movement ability to play right guard in an outside zone scheme. So, and again, it's just really a hunch, but I, I, as I look at these guys, I just wonder if one of them, and maybe it's Zachary Thomas, ends up actually helping these guys sooner than later to fill that hole, that specific hole. Now, what I like about those guys, too, is you mentioned the athletic... like So, zone schemes they're familiar with, obviously. They all graded athletically very well. You look at you know 10-yard splits... Um, things like that that we kind of knew that Ryan Poles would be interested in because I like that too. If you're gonna, if you're going to take swings, take swings on guys with these traits that you can kind of try to build around uh, that they already have that, that, that that's you know God given to a sense, um, and, and then you go from there. Uh, but the other thing too is, you know, I didn't think like I think the best left tackle for this team is probably not on this team right now. Like I've always thought that. Like, if you really want to shore up left tackle for this year, it's got to be a veteran. You're just not going to find somebody when your first pick of the draft is 39. Like, you're just, just the, the odds are you're not going to find somebody that you feel great about. And I, I still, I, I still like, look, I, I think I mocked a tackle to them multiple times in the second round. I still believed in that as an option. But, like, I, I just, I, 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 I get the frustration of not taking one on, on day two. But I still think that even if they had, I still would have said, well, you, you're you still probably better off hoping to find a Jason Peters type situation. As so, That was a one in a million shot. I understand that. Can, but, I, can I just play devil's yeah. advocate, though, for a second? Like, at some point, you need to find the permanent solution. And don't you need to at least see if one of those guys is on the roster? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, well, that's why I was thinking, like, this could be something that happens. Like, they could sign a guy in August. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Like, like, like let's not forget even last year, they didn't sign Jason Peters until Larry Borum got hurt. Right. Larry, Larry Borum, Borum would have been your starting offensive, your starting left tackle if he didn't get concussed at, at um, FanFest. And Tevin Jenkins would have been a right tackle when he came back. I'm convinced of that. Um, and and I, I'm open to Larry Borum being the starter. I'm open to Braxton Jones coming in and showing that he can be the star. And I like that they're going to make this, you know, that they're going to have an open mind about it. But I'm saying, like, I just, I wasn't, like, I, I understood the the philosophy. I, You know what, I'm, I'm being too positive about this draft. Give me a minute. I'm going to think of something to be critical about. Yeah. They didn't draft Chris Bergen. They only invited him to. Well, the, the, they're going to be in perfect position to draft Peter Skaronsky next year. Okay, there it is. Uh, There's your left tackle 30... <laughs> minutes and 49 seconds into the podcast I have. So I think we actually That's hit the over on that before we did. Pretty impressive restraint. That's actually pretty good. Um, but yes, uh, obviously, first round draft pick next year. Mock them to the Bears immediately. Be the, you got to be the first one who does it because you know everybody's going to do it next year. Might as what well put a mock draft out tomorrow. Uh, Hogue, what was your original question that started this segment? Something about day three draft picks? No idea. Dominic Robinson was my favorite pick. Oh yeah, who's your who's your most uh, intriguing guy? I think he he was my favorite pick because I'm obviously trusting our guy Dane Brugler who had him 78th overall. So if you use that, that's a you know good value. I, I, again, draft for traits in day three. He's got outstanding traits, and that's the perfect position to take somebody like that at. He's not going to have to play very much. You have Robert Quinn. You have Quan Muhammad. You have Travis Gibson. Jeremiah Tashu is still on the roster, which is some, you know, 
something I forget about daily. Uh, so is Ladarius Mack, my guy. So you have a lot of options. So this guy doesn't have to play a big role. You can help. You know, he said it himself. He has one move. He needs more. He needs more to his pass rush arsenal. So I like the idea that that's the position they drafted a guy like that at. Where they took him, the skills he has, the guys he can learn from when he gets in uh, to Hallis Hall. Like I, I really like that pick. I think I, I'm like most excited for him, especially for like 2023. It's gonna be t- take some time, but he's not like Kyler Gordon or or uh, or Br- Brisker. He doesn't have to start right away. He doesn't even have to be a backup right away. Yeah. I, have you looked up? I, I looked up the comps to Mark Anderson. Mm. Have you have you have you seen any of this? Um. They're very, very similar. Very, very similar. Height, weight. The only thing that's off a little bit is the 40 time, but if you look at the 10-yard splits, the 20-yard splits, the the short shuttle, very, very, very similar. Mark Anderson was a fifth-round pick who came in immediately as a rookie, and and in this defense, by the way, similar scheme, and they just said, you're going to go in on pass rush downs, you're going to go get the quarterback, and he delivered 12 sacks. Yeah, now, that, that, that's what this guy could do. It's third and 10. He comes in and he has one job to do. Yes. Now, I wouldn't necessarily expect 12 sacks. That was an incredible rookie season. And the other side of that is Mark Anderson never developed into a reliable starter. But this gets back to our earlier discussion about what's considered a successful draft pick, depending on where they're drafted. Like, if I asked you right now, is Mark Anderson a successful pick for the Bears? Yeah. I think most people, I think most people say yes. Fifth round pick who got you twelve sacks as a rookie helps you go to the Super Bowl. Absolutely, yes. Pretty so, good. so I think you know you put it in that type of perspective. Can Dominique Robinson come in, be somebody that they can put on the field and keep passing downs, make some plays next year, and then they hope he develops into a reliable starter, which is a possibility. It's possible that he outperforms what Mark Anderson ever became. Then, um, then that would obviously that would be a successful pick. But even if he never becomes that, I think there's a chance that he can contribute and help out the football team. Having the right expectations inside the building and outside. You want to take a couple questions real quick? I do. I definitely do. Oh, this I found something to be critical about. Sorry. Ooh. I Go still on. think it's. I still think they're not a good team, and it's one of the worst rosters in football. <sighs> Okay. Is it is it because they cut Nick Foles? No, there were a couple of comments that uh, Nick Foles had left the meeting. <laughs> How's everyone doing? This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. He's not left the meeting. Well, he got a very very nice thank you from the Chicago Bears for everything he did for the team for twenty four million dollars. That works. Oh, that sounds nice. This is from Ryan Finley on Twitter. Hey, guys, love the show. I had a question I hope maybe you could discuss. The Ryan Poles draft made me understand how bad this roster was. How did it get from executive of the year and coach of the year in 2018 to this? Was that year a fluke? Did you say Ryan Finley? I don't know if it's Pat's brother. I don't think it's Pat's brother. Is that? I think that's Pat's brother. Uh, Where's our friend Patrick Finley? It's not Pat's brother. Okay, we could do okay. a docu. We could do a, a podcast documentary to answer that question. For those that don't know, Pat has a twin brother. 
Identical twin brother. And when I say identical, he stopped me. I've never met... I, at this point, had never met his brother. And I was walking into the Arizona Cardinals stadium. I was outside the stadium. And a guy stopped me. And I thought it was Pat. Like, literally thought it was Pat. But he was wearing a Bears hat. And I was like, okay, it's obviously not... Oh, it's his brother. Like, I had... Like, it took me a few seconds to figure out what the hell was happening. And it really freaked me out. What gets you is their voice inflection is the same. Yes, he he talked to me. I... He could have... They could play you out a little bit. (laughs) It's it's weird. And they could definitely pull off some, like, tricks... Like, like, what, like, what's that movie with the Olsen twins? <laughs> Parent Trap, and it was Lindsay Lohan. Come on, John Z. Oh, yeah. I was actually watching it last week. Oh, that's another. <laughs> Remember the Olsen twins, though? We go way off track. Yeah, but the Olsen twins are like our age. So like, I feel like we grew up with them. You know, and once they hit, like, you know, the air, you know what I'm talking about. You know, once they got older, like we did, you're like, okay, the Olsen twins, Mary Kate, Ashley, Michelle from Full House. You guys watched the new Full House? Fuller House? No. Yeah, I've watched a little bit of it. And, and I, I hard to stick with. I liked it for a little bit, then it got a little too cheesy. But the whole show is cheesy, so I should have expected that. Are you going to answer Ryan's question or not? <laughs> I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> I, to be honest, I blacked out after you said said Ryan Finley, <laughs> well, and I just right. got distracted by that. Uh, so I'll, he basically asks, "Is this going to be a disaster?" No. How did like 2018 happen? Was that a fluke? He had oh. executive of the year, coach of the year. Um, I honest, my honest answer is the quarterback. You had a win yeah. now team, and the Bears operated that way for a couple of years after that, but 2019. Changed their whole approach to Mitch Trubisky, specifically Matt Nagy. So that's the short answer. Things didn't work out at quarterback because of the coach, because of the player, all of the above. My short answer is uh, a lot of guys had career years in 2018, including the quarterback. And that warped the way that the front office and coaching staff went about things like to go off what you're saying johns is they they looked at what mitch did in 2018 and thought that he could do x y and z which he wasn't you know set up to do and i remember i remember look i I, you can old takes expose me i went through a bunch of those guys on defense and made the argument that some of them could still have even better seasons when you looked at their age and you looked at where they were at their in their career and you looked at you know their health your injury history, all that stuff. And it turns out none of them had anything else left really to put that up for a full 16 game season. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was kind of a perfect storm of timing, but the biggest thing was just how good that defense was. Do your research. Speaking of him, he was yeah. gone the next year. Vic, I mean, Vic Fangio, and it wasn't just what he did that. Yeah, it was like a culmination of them building that thing up and then it hit its peak in 2018 and they really helped out to the helped out the offense and the quarterback to the point that it became fool's gold on offense with the quarterback. And when you make a move like trading for Khalil Mack right before the season starts, it looks like a genius move. So you win GM of the year. When you take a team that had been garbage 
and you're the new head coach and you win 12 games because of that defense, you're just automatically going to win coach of the year. It's like how those awards work. And that's, I, that's my answer to that question. But yeah, well, that's it, how it, it's the NFL, man. All these teams yeah. aren't that far away, like apart. Really? They really aren't. It, everybody's good. It's just some teams are really good. And, and so you can have fluke seasons like that that don't turn out to be real. And I, I don't want to say it that way because the defense really was real. Like that was a good unit. But the what happened on offense because of the defense was obviously not sustainable. Two more quick questions. Uh, this is from BMC44 on Twitter. I'm going to avoid the the nicknames here, but I don't think I saw President Ted Phillips in the war room. Is this the first draft that's been the case? Maybe it will make all the difference in the world. <laughs> I didn't see him in the pictures either. Yeah, that doesn't usually, mean he wasn't around, but... Usually he's front and center, though. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Like, what... Why should he be there? Well, he's always been there. No, I know, but if he's So really, I think it's notable that he's not. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Like, so the question is, was he purposely, ta- you know, not photographed or... Well... Or was I, he at home on his couch watching the draft with a beer in his hand for the first I, time? I would, like, well, he should. I would go back to what George McCaskey essentially confirmed at the NFL owners meetings in Florida. That Ted is out of the football decision-making. That Ryan Poles reports directly to him. So the team president, Ted Phillips doesn't have to be there anymore. Instead, there was like every single scout was in the room. I've never seen that before. Usually, this went when Pace would do it, like the scouts would be gathered in another room, just like the coaches were gathered in another room. But if you look at some of the pictures, there's a huge conference table behind poles that included all the scouts. Yeah. I, I will, I want to note for the record, um, if I was the president of a football team, I would always be in the draft room. <laughs> I would think that'd be so cool. It would be fun. Like yeah. that's like you think about like the the uber secretive ways of like how these things work, and like you get to see how that all. Pan, you know, uh, I get why Ted was always in there. But I think the point that's trying to be made is he doesn't need to be there anymore. If he's really I, I not agree. in I charge agree. of the football. Operations. But I would still say, even if he's still team president, I would totally get it. Because like, I would love to be in that room and see what's going on. They don't let me in. I've asked. All right, let's end with this. Since it's a defensive draft, or kind of, with the first two picks being defensive players. From Ryan Cox on Twitter. What are your expectations now for this defense? Could it be top 10? My first answer it was top 10 last year. That question don't make no sense. But they didn't take the ball away enough. That's what I'm looking at. If I'm looking well, at one stat, it's that and maybe less blown coverages. That's where <laughs> I'm kind of... More tackles, <laughs> less blown coverages. You, like you remove Khalil Mack, you remove Akeem Hicks, and even though they didn't play all the games, that's a lot to lose right there in just pure talent. Can they make up whatever they lost in talent with scheme... And hustle, intensity, the whole thing, and then the takeaways, right? The takeaways are a huge part of it. Because if they boost the takeaways, your defense is going to shoot up in terms of rankings. 
That almost looked like I flicked you guys off. I didn't though. It was almost just this. close. That, it, it like looked like I I thought I did it, but no. Oh, it was we, that this is a, this is already an expletive filled podcast. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Usually it's John's who does that though. It's rare for me. But listen, as somebody who's probably utter an expletive in regards to Northwestern athletics, I get it. What a waste of time training camp was, guys. <laughs> Still stand by this sentiment. I mean, in some ways, the whole year was a waste of time. It applies. Uh, I, I think <laughs> to find the, the right word. I think that I don't. I, yeah, I guess Hogue's right. Like, if they find a way to be a takeaway machine, then yeah, they could be top ten. The other thing that's going for them is I mean, if you guys go through the opposing quarterbacks on their schedule, uh, it's not an imposing group like last year. Like there's going to be some opportunities for them, but I just like from a talent level, it's not as good as it was last year. There's some guys who I'm intrigued to see, but you know, I, I don't, I'll, I'll, I, it's, I'll say top, uh, top half, top half of the league. Okay, top half of the league. What a cop out. Fifteenth best defense. I'm going to set the over under at fifteen. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed Tulsa. I did. I've never been. Nice place. I think you were like Chandler Bing. You just got like sent off to Tulsa for a random one of his Tol- episodes. One of the Tulsa episodes was on last night. Really? Yeah. I was working in my, my mailbag and that watching Friends some, at the same had time? A, had a friend ep- episode of Friends in the background. It was one of uh, Chandler's Tulsa episodes. I'm impressed you can have TV on in the background when you cannot do that I have to turn like some Pink Floyd on and just oh no this is where people are going to think I'm seeing aliens again alright we gotta I, go I, I got a lot of text messages Floyd. about that tweet by the way yeah people were uh, like they thought it was real I don't know it's just the sun I mean have you seen the sun since I tweeted that though no just a lot of rain thank you I, it's, it's not like I'm overreacting all right, I'm out of here. He, these guys are out of here. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Kate Fishbane. Uh, we will be back, what, Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. We will be back Thursday. We will talk to you then. Enjoy the next couple days. See you.